morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be joining us from. I'm Julia Patrick with The Nonprofit Show. We're really excited today because we have a CEO spotlight with Brenda Jean Foley, who is the Artistic Director of The Bridge Initiative. We're going to talk about all things in the art world and the creative space, and I can't wait to have this conversation because um, it's been a real tough time for our uh, arts programs. And so let's dig into that a little bit. Again, I'm Julia Patrick. If we haven't met, I'm CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. Jarrett Ransom, my trustee sidekick, CEO of the Raven Group, will join, be joining us tomorrow. Again, we have amazing sponsors who are with us day in and day out. We want to express our gratitude to Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, your part-time controller, Be Generous, Fundraising Academy at National University, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Thought Leader, and Nonprofit Nerd. Also, we have done, I was telling Brenda this before we got going, we've done more than 700 episodes. And if you want to access any of those archives, you can do so on Roku, YouTube, Amazon Fire TV, and Vimeo. And you can also queue us up on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we have taken all of our programming for this last year and put it into podcast format. So let us join you on your daily walk or when you're vacuuming <laughs> or commuting. <laughs> we, we want to be a part of that conversation. Okay, Brenda Jean Foley. It's so nice to see you, my friend. It is such a pleasure, Julia. Thank you so much for inviting me today. You know, I first met you through some of our live trainings with the American Nonprofit Academy, and you had this artistic, um, you had this performance-based company that did theater work, really innovative, um, unique programming throughout the state, and you had some really interesting approaches. Talk to us a little bit about what the Bridge Initiative really does and why you were doing this? Well, we started because actually um, my co-founder, Tracy Liz Miller, came to me and said, you know what? I'm realizing that there is not a lot of female leadership. They're not producing a lot of female plays. There are not a lot of female directors in the Valley. And would you be interested in going in for some seed funding with me to create something. And uh, I tend to be one of those people that is like, let me jump and then look and see if there's water <laughs> for better or worse. So I said, sure. And, um, and so it was really sort of a felt need. I'd been acting in the Valley at the time in the Phoenix area and hearing in the dressing room, women talking about, oh, I used to be directing a lot and they're just, nobody's hiring me anymore. And um, there was just this sense of um, feeling left out. And so that's kind of where we started. And, and we, um, we wanted to be doing work to your point of what, what our focus was work that nobody else was doing. So yeah. not only did we want to produce plays, um, which is very expensive, but we wanted to be in the new work process to try and find yeah. some voices that were not being heard from, mm-hmm. you know, um, Super innovative. And this was what, 10 to 15 years ago? Oh, gosh, no, this was in. Um, so Tracy first came to me with the idea in 2014. And we did our pitch, our sort of seed funding pitch in 2015. And okay. we got our 501c3 in 2016. Okay, so we're relatively new. <laughs> you are new. But 
I would dare say that you were super new to the discussion. I mean, we didn't even use the letters DEI. We had none of this until so recently. And I have to imagine that when you first started on this journey, people and funders specifically were like, what? Right? Oh, well, it was interesting. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, when we first started to do, we before we even did our pitch, we did a little bit of sort of market research and sort of pulled some people that we knew and people in the Valley and said, is there a need for this? And we had literally people come to us and say, don't do it. It's dangerous. There's a lawsuit out against um, some people that were trying to make gender equality happen in another company. Um, you guys are new to this area. And so you are not associated with that, but don't jump in because you're going to be in trouble. And we both kind of looked at each other and were like, um, it sounds like this is absolutely what we should be doing. <laughs> but, you know, so initially there was definitely this, this danger around it, right? Like don't rock the boat. Don't uh, upset the establishment. It, it was threatening, I suppose, to some people. And then the flip of that was there was a felt need. There were all these women that were like, thank you. We really are, uh, you know, we feel a little bit invisible. And so we're grateful that you're doing this work. Wow. I am fascinated by that because um, it's it had to be frightening. It had to be frightening to be told that this was a perilous idea. Not that it was a bad idea necessarily, but it, that it was a perilous idea. Um, that is one heck of an, an origin story. I want to know now how has your mission changed or been transformed? I mean, the production world, the entertainment world has been gutted through the pandemic. How have you survived and dare I say thrived? I mean, how and with your mission, how has this worked? Well, so we were launched, we had, um, we were called the Bridge Initiative colon Women in Theater. Okay. Um, as we started leaning into being a place to represent underrepresented voices, it really felt like, oh my gosh, it's not just women that are underrepresented. People are underrepresented for all different kinds of reasons, everything from age to size to obviously race and disability, all these things. And so we really were kind of in our programming, trying to reach out and be intersectional in our representation. Um, again, like you said, years before, lots of people were super aware or at least throwing those terms around D. I and A. Um, and so as a couple of years back, we thought, you know, since now everybody's catching up, maybe we should lean into that with our mission and say, we're not only representing women, we're intersectionally representative. And what we found over the couple of years that we leaned into that was that people were like, well, so what do you stand for? Like it wasn't narrow enough. They they really they couldn't latch on to it. And so we've kind of reverted. Um, we've kept the colon women in theater off of off of our name, but we do say that really we're about women leadership. We're about um, gender parity is kind of how we phrase it. And um, we've kind of leaned back into that. And then going to your point about the pandemic, um, theater really, obviously, people showing up with large crowds to support, you know, to be in the space together was not happening for a couple of years. And so we pivoted to some digital content. Um, I was like in March of 2020, I was like, 
if I'm not going to be able to be in a theater, I'm going to need to have an outlet. So I immediately created a 11 weeks of play readings. And so I was doing that before anybody else. And then once everybody else started doing it, I stopped. <laughs> and then I created like a very specific digital content that was fundraising for other charities in the, um, in the region. And we did sort of different kinds of programming. Um, but to your point, like it has transformed. Um, people aren't 100% coming back to live work. We are doing it. But consequently, we've added media to our mission statement. So we're not just theater, we're saying we're, we're theater and media. Um, we've got a um, digital offering, we're calling a digital newsletter that is based on a show that we're doing about Broadway musical theater stuff. And so that will that's digital content that people can consume from anywhere and where, wherever they're comfortable, as well as continuing to to do live live work but um we're trying to figure that out just like i think a lot of content creators are what is that niche and then the other piece of it is that um i've started to work on a documentary film so um we're just trying to um broaden our offerings to and meet people where they are so let me ask you a follow-up question to that because you know in normal times it would be a theater a time a date go but now with this, are you finding that you're able to build an audience that is miles away or maybe in another part of the country, or are you still regionally focused? So I think we're in process. During the, the initial digital offerings and stuff we were doing during the pandemic, absolutely what you're saying was happening. We were starting to, because um, I'm not from Phoenix, we, I live in Phoenix now, but certainly it was actually really wonderful because we had early funding from friends and family that were not local, and they were finally able to experience some of our programming. So that was great. And then, you know, just the reach was starting to extend. But I think when things started opening up, people... We're like, I don't want to constantly be staring at a screen. And mm -hmm. so we're trying to find that sweet spot of being able to have some content for, again, like you say, this more national reach, the people that aren't able to show up at a set date or time. Right. So even local people, right? Like who sure. are like, you know what? I've got a sniffle and I want to, you know, I don't want to go out in a mask or like whatever their reasoning is that they want to sit on their couch. We're trying to reach them and continue to create content that they can participate in. But we also are trying to be present in a live way because ultimately we're the creatures of theater in my company. And there's something about sharing space, heartbeats regulate, like there's, there's all this research about um, being in the same place at the same time that is healing and transformative. So we do believe in that deeply as well. Wow. So your journey is so fascinating. I mean, at best, it's a super tough road. And then the pandemic comes. And then all of this change on how we gather, what we consume, how we consume it. Um, I've got to ask you this question. As a CEO, where are you spending most of your time in, in like this trajectory of your creative, you're managing a company, you're fundraising, you're dealing with a, a, a life event that might never be seen in our lifetimes again, right? Yes, how hopefully. You, yeah, I, I should say, how are you doing dealing with this and, and what what are you doing in your average day? Gosh, my average, I don't even know if I have an average day, to be honest, Julia, it just kind of mm -hmm. depends. Um, one of the things that I've been encouraged by in the last couple of years is because the digital content was what it was, I was 
actually performing as an artist more than I had prior. I'd been sort of sitting back and pushing everybody else um, forward. And the feedback I got was like, we want more of you uh, doing your thing (laughs) because that's really ultimately my training. So the good side of things are is that I've actually been able to become an artist a little bit more. I'm hosting our show um, and performing and singing in it um, that we do quarterly. And, you know, so I'm spending some of my time actually as an artist creating creating artistic content in a way that I hadn't been a couple of years ago, which is really fulfilling. I also, believe it or not, you're going to be proud of me. Julia and I sat down, gosh, five or six years ago at this point, And she said to me at that time, um, I was not paying myself. I was paying all of our artists. I was paying all of the people that were working for the company. But she said, you know, that's not <laughs> sustainable. You need to figure out how to pay yourself something. And in the last couple of years, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of everything else, um, I've figured out how to pay myself a little bit, um, as well as I, I will compensate myself for when my for my performance side of it too. But I am compensating myself a little bit for the admin, and I've added a couple people on a staff um, stipend basis as well. So one of the really interesting changes over the last literally like 18 months has been that I'm managing a team, and so that has actually both lessened and increased my work, strangely yeah. enough, because yeah. I thought, oh, gosh, great. Now I'll have people to help. But it ends up being like, OK, I'm managing. And, and I'm sure that all of you sitting on the call who have experience are like, well, you should have known that, Brenda. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was new to that. So it's been a learning curve. Um, but it's we're starting to figure it out and figure out whose role is what. Um, I am very attracted to a management model of like everybody's voice is equal. And we all, you know, and and then. But at the same time, there's definitely some people who I'm realizing that their personality and their skill set is tell me what to do. (laughs) So um, so that is it feels like in terms of my work with Bridge, a lot of my time has been figuring out where to put people, where their strengths are. And certainly you mentioned fundraising like that is definitely a piece of it. Um, I definitely spend time thinking about where's the money going to come from and and creating budgets that are sustainable Um, and, you know, again, figuring out, okay, now I've got a management piece that I'm paying for for some admin side of it. Where's that money going to come from? And and writing for grants um, is a lot of what I do too. So it's, I mean, I don't have a a very specific, like this hour I'm spending, it just kind of is, it, it ebbs and flows a little bit with basically, you know, what, what, where we are in the year. <laughs> yeah. And what's happened. I mean, you yeah. know, what's happened that, that moment. Exactly. I mean, along with that, it, it's really cool, Brenda. I mean, you're, I, I see you growing and I see your brand growing and um, it's it, for me personally, it's so exciting to see this. <laughs> um, but this is not without frustrations and rewards. So how do you, how do you see what those frustrations are and the rewards at the same time? It seems like you're having to grow, you're having to learn new and different things. What is that looking like for you? Gosh, um, I think one of the, one of the biggest frustrations uh, has been, I don't feel like I'm good at everything. (laughs) (laughs) And so a lot of people think I'm great at everything and they're just like, oh, you're, and I think, and it's been trying to convince people like, no, I'm actually not good at everything. And so I need you to help me in these areas. Um, And I think because I did so much of it by myself for so long, people just thought like, oh, you're great at um, PR or you're great at this, you're good. And, and, and I'm like, no, actually, if you think you have expertise in that, I would like you to 
take it on <laughs> and I'm happy to consult. So, um, so, so that's been a, a little bit of a frustration for me is it sounds a little strange, but like to get people to understand like where my skill set really lies um, now that I have a little bit more of a team. But that is also hand in hand with the reward, right? That like I've been able to assemble some people that are really dedicated to me and to our company and to what we're trying to do to the shift that we're trying to affect in our culture. And so um, that's wonderful. It's also wonderful when I have younger people or, you know, my peers who come to me and say, oh, gosh, I see you as a mentor. I see you as a leader. Um, you've affected change in my life. I'm inspired by you. Like, it's very hard to quantify how meaningful that is. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you've experienced that as well. Um, so I think that's been a huge reward as well as, like I said, this feedback as an artist, right? Like people saying, we want to see more of you on stage. We want to see more of you actually doing your work, not just putting other people's work up. That has been really gratifying. You know, it's, it's interesting because it seems to me that none of that would have occurred, dare I say, without the pandemic. I mean, is that fair to say that the trajectory of your work has, you know, really been informed by this? I would say so. Yeah, it certainly would have happened in a different way. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've been fighting for, and Tracy, my co-founder, who actually has since moved back to the East Coast, but she and I both from the beginning, um, the culture in the Valley is that uh, you don't pay artists. Like that's something that you do on the side. That's something you do as an avocation. And we always very, very specifically, we're trying to fight not only to pay artists, but ultimately to move towards being a union company that would allow people to put into pensions and health benefits. And that's one of the reasons that I wasn't appearing in our stuff because I'm a union member and we couldn't afford to do union work. Um, we will be this spring. We did have one contract one contract before the pandemic, but, you know, it, it probably would have taken that, Julia, it probably would have taken us getting to the point that I could get an equity, con you know, but because of the digital content and some of the other stuff, it has like sped that piece of it up for me um, in, a, in an interesting way. And certainly I think me starting this documentary film and us doing more digital content would not have happened, I don't think, without the pandemic. So it's certainly the trajectory was definitely shaped by the last couple of years. Wow. Well, let's get on to um, See Jane Run because it's such an interesting uh, project, an amazing story. Um, and I see this as your next big thing. So talk I to think about so. It. Yeah, ah. tell us about it. Well, so Jane Vogelmanteri, Dr. Jane Vogelmanteri is a woman I met Gosh, several years ago, um, I was asked to speak on a panel for women in theater. Um, it was They were doing a national conference, and I was placed on the panel with this woman named Jane, and she just is a visionary. Um, she's fascinating, and we just kind of enjoyed each other's company, I would say, initially. And through the pandemic, again, like it seems like that's a turning point now that I'm talking about it. I got together with her and a few other um, leaders nationally to apply for a huge grant, which we did not get, but um, to sort of say like, what is the future of theater? Like what, if we were, if we were given $10 million, what would we do with it? And we kind of got to dream and, and, you know, think, and, and through that Jane sort of came to me and she said, I really like you and the work that you do. And, and I think that you have a gift in terms of grant writing. Will you come on with my company and become a grant writer? And through writing grants for her company, which is called Advanced Gender Equity in the Arts, she's in Portland, Oregon, I learned more about her story. And 
oh my gosh, is she fascinating? She, um, she's a refugee child immigrant from Indonesia. I did not understand and know about the cultural past of Indonesia, but, um, her family was mixed race. And so they were in danger. Consequently, her aunt, her father's sister was literally raped and beheaded. Um, and so they ended up having to flee, um, because they were mixed race. And so she landed in the Netherlands as like a young child um, for a few years while they were waiting to get approved to come to America. That was kind of always the long, long goal. And interestingly enough, you see her name was Jane. She didn't change her name. She wasn't didn't get wasn't given an Indonesian name. Um, Her father had always had sights on coming to America. Um, But, you know, she arrived here speaking Dutch (laughs) Um, and, you know, had the whole experience as a young child immigrant um, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, and fell in love with performing and and theater and telling stories. And her father in high school pulled her aside and said, you can't do that. Um, They do bad things to the women in in that this industry and so she took a complete pivot followed her father's advice ended up as a trauma psychologist treating children who'd been through trauma um which obviously in her background she had trauma so that's why she was drawn to it um she ended up in the army for a little while to actually get her degree um she's been i mean she's taken so many different turns but really when her father died she went back to the arts And um, in her 50s started like, I'm just going to take an acting class and see. And she had said to me, she said, it's the first time I felt like I could actually breathe. Um, And so she sort of rediscovered who she was. She ended up um, very quickly um, being identified as having talent and being an interesting person. And so she was commuting from her little home in Eugene, Oregon, all the way to Portland, which is the big city in her state. Um, and ended up on Portlandia with Fred Armisen. Oh and like, yeah, she she ended up moving to Portland wow. in her in her fifties to perform and and be like she had a commercial career, all this stuff, right? As a as an older woman. And then what she discovered was that people wanted to put her in the ugly sweater, or like she ended up being, you know, the the cancer. What the roles that were available were just. Mm-hmm. She said it didn't feel like the stories I wanted to tell. Right. So that's when she founded her nonprofit. And interestingly, she was kind of given almost the same kind of don't do it that I was given. She was told, you're not going to be hired again. You're going to be seen as a troublemaker. And she kind of did a, the way she puts it is she thought, she's like, I thought about that young girl. And she said, I thought about that girl who always wanted to pursue this. And I thought, you know what? It's not about me anymore. It's about all these other young people that are going to follow me. And so she became a a leader um, and she calls age a movement. She said, I I wanted to create a movement towards for change for other people. So I just, I want to tell her story and I'm creating this documentary around her. And I just, she's, she's one of those people that is just sparkly. Like she's just so effervescent and wonderful. So I'm excited. We're, we're in process. I love it. Good for you. I think this is a really exciting thing to hear about. Um, you go into even more detail about it on your website. I do. Um, and it, it's a really cool thing to see. And and I think that it does follow, Brenda, what your mission and, and, and your path that you started. It's It's a great way to continue that story. And I love the concept of using um, that format because it can reach more people ultimately than just that 
that theater. I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah. And again, she's in Portland. I'm here in Phoenix, you know, we're going to be traveling with a crew up to Portland to film her, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the, the story's bigger than just like one little thing. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to share her story and her with the world. Wow. Well, this has been fabulous. I've loved reconnecting with you. I always saw that spark in you and uh, it's really cool to see um, you flourishing. So many of our arts organizations across the country had to hit the pause button and then ultimately close. And this is really um, a testament to your leadership and your vision that you looked at different things, moved forward, as you said, leaned into some new and different ways. Um, So yeah, no pressure, but we expect to see even more exciting things from you. Thank you. From your mouth to God's ears, as my mother would say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. I think it's possible. Brenda Jean Foley, producing artistic director of the Bridge Initiative. Check them out at bridgeinit.org. You can learn all about what they're doing. Um, You also have some classes that you run um, from time to time, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that's something that we started this fall um you know we're, we're do we had a, an organization come to us who had some space and said hey they actually happen to be called the bridge improv and they're like we share a name we love your mission <laughs> um we're you know they're 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 really close right here locally and they said uh if you'd like to we can help you with space um if you'd like to start offering some classes and sort of in my roster of the core artists that work with my group there's definitely a bunch of educators and so we've started offering some writing courses some acting classes and you know we're, we're gonna we haven't yet announced our slate for 2023 but we're working on putting that together as just sort of like another piece of our mission I love it and I think that's an, an amazing way I mean when you you go back to Jane's story about you know re walking through a gate because of a class a hundred percent that's actually I'm so glad you brought that up that was as we were starting to circle this idea of education, I kept thinking like, who's the next Jane, right? There's gotta be people in this community as well that have that feeling of like, oh, I wonder if I could try it. And as an adult, it can be intimidating to start in a beginner class or, or you know, to fi- even find one. So we thought, you know, let's hang up a shingle and see what, see what comes from it. I love it. I think it's really cool. Well, check out the Bridge Initiative. Again, the website's great. It really gets into... Um, all different things and, pro- and programs that the Bridge Initiative is doing and has gotten behind the collaborative nature of their work and uh, really, really impressive. So, Brenda, it's been fabulous, fabulous to have you on. Again, I'm Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. Jarrett Ransom, the nonprofit nerd, will rejoin us tomorrow. Again, we want to thank all of our presenting sponsors who have allowed this amazing conversation to happen. Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, your part-time controller, Be Generous, Fundraising Academy at National University, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Thought Leader, and the Nonprofit Nerd. Without their incredible support, we would not be here day in and day out. Brenda, I told you we've had more than 700 episodes. Incredible, Julia. I love what you're building and what you've built. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, everybody, as we like to end every episode, we want to remind ourselves, our viewers, our listeners, our guests to stay well so you can do well. We'll see you back here tomorrow. 